Welcome to Love Punch, challenging entrepreneurs, artists, and thought leaders to make a lasting impact. I'm your host, Ruby Fremont, and I'm here as a catalyst for you, the new generation of thought leaders. I'm a kick-ass life coach, a bullshit detector, and courageous communicator. I'll show you how to take bold action and create massive impact through a powerful process that I call CPR. Courage, persistence, and resilience to go after what you really fucking want. It's time to unapologetically do what you're here to do and do it your way. So get ready and let's make shit happen. What's up, everyone? I am back with another incredible guest for another incredible conversation. Cam and I first met in January 2014 at the Intimate Archangel Mastermind event in Los Angeles, and I was on the verge of going all in with my coaching business at that time, and Cam had just gone all in with his company, Game Quitters. It was such a pivotal time for us, and that event marked the beginning of a new chapter in both of our lives, one that paved the way for more purpose, more transformation, and more connection. Cam Adair is the founder of Game Quitters, the world's largest support community for video game addiction, serving 50,000 members per month in 83 countries. Named one of Canada's top 150 leaders in mental health, his work has been featured in two TEDx talks and in Forbes, BBC, ABC News, Vice, CBC, CTV, The Star, The Huffington Post, the list goes on. He's an internationally recognized speaker, humanitarian, and YouTuber with over a million views. Cam is also a fellow Canadian who resides in California, and if you didn't already know, I love my Canadians. So enough of the introduction. Let's jump right into the conversation. Hey, Cam, I am so stoked to have you here today. Me too. I just love the fact that you're Canadian, but you're the best kind of Canadian, which is a Canadian who lives in California. (laughs) We are the best breed of Canadians. (laughs) Yeah, we we knew what to do, right? Escape the cold, head to the palm trees. It's beautiful out here. Exactly. We took the great Canadian values that Canada really instills in you and then decided that we want to be warm. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We are so smart. (laughs) So Cam, I want to cut straight to the point and um, I want to share with you something. So I, when I look at you, I see you as the leading influencer and expert on video game addiction, honestly and truly. And it's so obvious that this is a conversation that you're deeply passionate about and I know you've shared your own story of gaming addiction online and talks on stage and in interviews. You've built a platform to raise awareness and help others with their gaming addictions. And I get that all of this feels so purposeful because you've experienced it firsthand, but why has it become your mission? Like what keeps you invested in this? Yeah, it's a really great question and and something that I feel like is very present for me uh, because I've been going through this huge transition over the last kind of year of learning how to navigate both such a giant mission and such a giant purpose while also being able to maintain my own mental health and, and you know, what, what's very exciting and, and interesting to me. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, just yesterday I was I was on Instagram and, and there's this great account um, called Wear Your Label and it's a it's a apparel brand around mental health. And the founder was sharing how she actually had to step down and give it to different management because she just couldn't maintain her mental health while building something that ended up being so much bigger than she could have ever imagined, which is exactly what happened for me with Game Quitters, where, you know, on some level, I had an intuition that there were a lot of people who were going to want help, but Mm -hmm. I was really just sharing my story to help even just one person. Right. And now it's become this huge responsibility, I feel, to continue to, to work on it and bring the vision forward because it can help so many more people, but ultimately remembering how does it help me? And is it serving me? And and being able to balance all of that is something very present for me right now. Yeah. And I like that you called it a responsibility because quite often I feel the same way with my work. We're so wrapped up in it because it has so much to do with our stories, right? For a lot of us purpose-driven entrepreneurs and leaders, what we do for our career has it been ignited due to our stories and what we've experienced firsthand. And so quite often our mission feels like a giant responsibility. And I know for me at times that responsibility feels super heavy. And I'm wondering how does that feel for you? Definitely the same. And over the last year, like last year, really looking back, reflecting on it, last year was tough and Mm -hmm. it's tough knowing kind of how to move forward with this sort of vision when there's so many different things to navigate, whether it's, you know, my own personal growth or navigating the way ego integrates into being an advocate and being a force of nature, trying to, you know, get people to care about something that, you know, maybe right now they don't care enough about. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to serve a community of people who, you know, are really there asking for help and being able to step into the unknown in a way where, you know, I've never done a lot of this stuff before. And, and that's part of entrepreneurship is really blazing a new trail, stepping into the unknown and, and creating a new path and, and leading the way. Mm-hmm. And just navigating all of that for me has been very challenging. I would say that last year I did a okay, but not great job at it. And Mm -hmm. it also catalyzed me to really step back and reflect and see, you know, how am I in the way? And what would it look like if I got out of the way and allowed what needs to come through to come through? Or what would happen if I got out of the way and allowed myself to have the type of support from other people wanting to contribute to this mission that I desire? And so, you know, it's, it's all been Mm -hmm. perfect. It's all been beautiful because it's all allowed me to, to really understand more about what I really want to be doing and and how I want to serve the world. Um, But it can certainly be heavy at times. And that heaviness just comes from the fact that, you know, having the opportunity to, to support such a large amount of people is something that is very special. and, And I take as, as very sacred. Yeah. Yeah, I I often refer to it as my divine responsibility. You know, it's mm. it's the reason that I'm here. It's the reason that I've gone through my life's ex- experiences. Right? It's an accumulation of my experiences that has led me to where I am today. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, you at, you said a question that really hit my heart, and it was, "How am I in the way?" And I think quite often a lot of us can focus on the external circumstances. 
You know, how, how are these things blocking me? What's really in my way? And we don't often enough, often enough look within at like, well, how am I in my own way? And you refer to last year as being a difficult year for you. Um, how were you in your own way last year? How was I in my own way? I think that begins with just not really taking self-care to the level that was required for me to bring this vision to life, mm. to, to the level that I have the vision. And last year was a huge learning experience for me of like what deep self-care and deep self-love really looks like. Mm-hmm. beyond just, okay, I have, you know, some habits that are good and I eat healthy and, you know, I have good friends and I love myself, you know, but right. like really, do you really love yourself? And how do you really serve yourself every single day? And for me, you know, one of those transitions is this is year nine for me of being an entrepreneur. I wow. started when I was 20 years old. And at that point, for the first five or six, maybe seven years of entrepreneurship, I hustled so hard every single day. I basically just worked. You know, I used to travel all over the world. I still do. But Mm -hmm. when I used to travel, I would literally just sit in coffee shops and work all day long. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I I was in Berlin and I love Berlin, but I didn't even see the Berlin Wall. I literally just sat in a cafe and worked all day. And now I don't have that same desire to just work and work and work and work. You know, I love to go surfing and I love to hang out with friends and I have other desires. And so really learning how to balance deep self-care and deep self-love of what really allows me to be like truly served for myself mm-hmm. and then being this vessel to then go into serving the community while not just working all day has been, you know, part of that transition. Mm. Yeah, so important. And there's that magical word that you said, right? Balance. It's the the thing that so many of us are trying to achieve and attain in our lives. And with self-care and self-love in the picture, as well as the divine responsibility of what we're here to do, how does one find that balance? Like for you, how have you found that balance? Do you feel like you're in balance right now? I'm certainly getting closer to it. And balance, I think, is a misunderstood concept because the word itself and the way that we're taught it is very balance is like 50 50. Mm-hmm. So, you know, work life balance. It's work, you know, half the time and, and have your life half the time. And, mm-hmm. and I just don't see balance that way. In fact, balance generally for me makes me feel bored. Like, mm-hmm being balanced, I'm like, I'm a pretty like obsessive, passionate kind of person. So uh, not being in quote unquote balance is really positive for me. But redefining the word of what balance really means to me is is balance means being in alignment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I still work a lot and I work really hard, but I also surf almost every day, right? Mm -hmm. Or when I travel, I still work and I, I do all of that, but it's more finding flow. And mm-hmm. if I'm in flow, then I feel very balanced. I feel very aligned. And, and that allows me to, to not only do better work, but to also feel better myself. And really, when you're looking at the purpose of life, I don't know if there's anything truly beyond like you feeling absolutely magnetic every single day mm. and happy and fulfilled. 
I don't really know if there's anything beyond that that's more important. So always mm-hmm. remembering that too. Yeah, that's such a good point, right? So many of us, we look too far ahead at the vision. And, you know, for those of you listening in, maybe this is you, like you look so far ahead at your vision, at what it is that you're trying to accomplish that you miss the journey. And you're working relentlessly to pursue the vision, yet you're missing out on the fulfillment that comes from being present in each day. So thank you for bringing that up, Cam. And you said something else that really sparked my interest. And it was that balance equals alignment. I fucking love that because when you say that, it redefines balance for each and every single individual, which is powerful. Absolutely. And and I think that's where this this stuff always comes back to you and you listening to this and how do these concepts relate to your life and, and what's your definition of them, right? Like definition of success. That's something really important mm-hmm. to be aware of as you're pursuing a vision because if you have success be a certain metric, well, you might not always be able to control that versus, you know, if it's more effort-based. Uh, when I did my first TEDx talk, my definition of success was just to have no regrets. And to mm-hmm. have no regrets to me meant to just go and give it my all. To just know I kind of left everything on the table and Mm -hmm. you know that meant like I worked really hard for five weeks to try to to know my talk and to go and deliver it to the best of my ability Mm -hmm. and then when I when I was on stage I actually blanked out twice Mm. and and (laughs) if you've never um, blacked out in front of 2300 people on stage (laughs) let me tell you how it is it feels kind of intense because you have 2300 people staring at you being like yeah, what's this motherfucker doing? Like, mm-hmm. like he's just standing there, like silent. And afterwards, I felt a lot of shame for a moment because mm-hmm. I really felt like I had let everyone down. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there in in the crowd afterwards, and and I was kind of trying to hide so no one could see me. And I sat there for a couple of minutes, and I just started to think about like, dude, you just did a TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. And you've never even spoken on stage before. And here you are speaking in front of 2,300 people in a sold-out auditorium. And yes, you may not have done it perfectly, but you did it. Yeah. And I felt like such a deep sense of honor of the Mm -hmm. fact that I got to do that experience. And my definition of success was to have no regrets. And really, I had no regrets. There wasn't anything else I could have done to have a different experience. Mm -hmm. And so then I just felt so immensely grateful. And so I think just remembering that, you know, in, in life and especially online, we hear these words like purpose Mm -hmm. and service and contribution and balance and all these different words. Ultimately, what do they mean to you? Mm -hmm. What's your definition of them? Because that's going to be very relative. Right. Yeah. You know, Merriam Webster doesn't rule our lives. (laughs) We get to redefine every single word that we come across, you know. Um, for me, balance, I always describe it as, yes, there's a circle, but the slices of the pie aren't all going to be equal sizes. It depends on what you value most. Maybe you value work more than family. So maybe 60% of your pie is going to be work. You know, you get to change that balance each, each and every single day, depending on how you feel and what you need. And, you know, to redefine success, it just feels so much easier when you are going after what it is that you truly want and not what society has told you you wanted or what other people want, you know? So 
it's just, it's such an important reminder to redefine the words that we use so often in our entrepreneurial journeys so that we create more of that alignment between what it is that we're going after and creating and what we feel in our souls. So I appreciate that. And I know our listeners are probably thinking about all these things right now. How can I redefine success? Um, So one of the things, Cam, that me and you have talked a lot about is what we have been feeling through this entrepreneurial journey and how it's not always easy, Um, how there can be a lot of moments where our shadows come to the surface and we have to deal with them. So for you, what do you feel has been like the most difficult part of this nine-year journey for you? Like what has has been the most difficult in terms of what you're dealing with or coping with or working to overcome? Wow. What is the most difficult thing over the last nine years? There's been so much. (laughs) I, I think... I think a lot of it for me has been about learning how what it is, is is that I think it's surrendering to the fact that growth is not linear. Mm. And for nine years, you know, my parents and I have had this kind of funny thing where I, I tell them like, man, I feel like I'm like, I'm so close. Like, I'm so close. It's like this success thing is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And last year I was saying this to them and, or they were saying it to me actually. And they were like, we just feel like you're so close. And I'm like, I know, but I've also been saying that for like nine years, <laughs> you know? And, and when I look back, it's like, holy crap, I can't even believe how much progress I've made over nine years. Like mm-hmm. if I would, if you would have told me this is where I would be right now, nine years ago, I would have died. I wouldn't even wouldn't have even had the words to describe what this experience is like for me every day. Mm. And I think the challenging part is just the ups and downs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes like things are really amazing and that's a phase I'm in right now. Like right now, everything is amazing. Mm -hmm. But six months ago I was in the complete opposite place and I was in the depths of hell and that up and down that, it's not always just getting better and better and better. It's, it's always Mm -hmm. kind of more of a, sometimes things are good and sometimes things are challenging. That's that's been difficult over, over nine years. Definitely. And I think that's something that is not talked about enough is that it's growth is not linear. Most definitely not linear. It's like expands in every fucking direction and hits you at any time. And it's, it's a roller coaster ride when you're in the pursuit of your vision or your purpose or your mission or your legacy, it's a fucking roller coaster because we are going after the thing that is so important to us. The thing that is, is weaved within our soul and our, our reason for being here So we have this greater attachment to it, to the fulfillment of it, and we're going to experience the ups and downs. And it's those downs that I'm more interested in hearing about from you right now, because I think it's really easy, especially in today's world with social media being what it is, to see the ups 
that we all go through, right? Because everyone's posting their highlight reel. Everyone's talking about what's going really, really well. But what about the downs? You know, what about those times when life doesn't feel that great? What about those times when you're, you're, the opportunities aren't coming or that you are standing in your own way? Like, what about those times? So what did that look like for you exactly? Yes. And what I'm talking about last year specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so last year there were kind of two two major parts to that. Um, the first is, you know, in in the spring last year, so around kind of March April, I was dealing with a lot of burnout, and mm. I was going through this phase. and And this is a challenge I've kind of had over over nine years. Is there are times when you are incredibly focused on a very specific vision that you mm-hmm. have. And so, you know, the first two years for me for Game Quarters, that was that. Like, that's all I did. That's all I focused on. That's all I wanted to do. Last year, that started to shift where, you know, really, I just wanted to go surfing. And really, I just wanted to travel. And I wanted to support friends with other projects. And, you know, my my level of focus or interest in Game Quarters itself wasn't there in the same way. Mm-hmm. And then I was navigating, like, dealing with that kind of burnout. But then also feeling this weight of responsibility of like there are people out there right now who need help and I'm not showing up for them fully. Right. So navigating that was a very big challenge in in the spring. And then that kind of led to I went through, you know, a bit of a breakup in June. And that just kind of has always been the one thing that's really triggered me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And that led to just, you know, from burnout to breakup to just spiraling into you know depths of depression and anxiety once again and my anxiety and depression is something that you know has kind of been there for you know most of my life and it gets really gnarly i go dark so fast it goes mm-hmm. from like today is amazing to tomorrow i want to end my life like literally within like minutes mm-hmm. and it's so extreme that for me it feels so intense mm-hmm. and and learning how to learn more about that and navigate that has has been a lot of what I've done over the last eight months. And so, you know, just learning to surrender to it and learning to not try and hold on so much and learning to feel more of what I'm really feeling instead of just operating from a headspace uh, have all been kind of big intentions and lessons over the last eight months. Mm, I'm so glad you brought that up. The The depth to which you described the depression and anxiety, I feel you 200% on that, you know, having an amazing day today, but then waking up tomorrow, feeling like I've completely spiraled back into the depths of my darkest places and grasping desperately at my tools to get myself out. And it's, it's, it sometimes, to be honest, when I'm in that space, I get so deeply disappointed in myself because I'm I'm like, wow, like I should be way beyond this with all the stuff, the, the time and energy and growth that I've achieved, you know, I should be beyond this. I shouldn't be experiencing this. But then I remember like I'm just human and I'm having human experiences and this is part of the human experience and there's a reason and and that often brings more ease into the situation. But man, does it fucking suck when you wake up and have those days or those weeks or those months and I know for our listeners, there are some of you out there who experience this and don't really talk about it 
but I encourage you to talk about it. And I think this is something that isn't talked about enough in our community. We need to talk about the depression and the anxiety that we face as a community because together we can rise up, we can share tools, we can feel less alone in it. And I don't know about you, Cam, but for me, one of the the hardest parts about spiraling is that feeling of being alone in it. And what I've discovered over the past year is a lot of that being alone is self-induced. You know, it's because I isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about it has really been helpful. Have you experienced that isolation or the feeling of being alone? Yeah, that's what I do when I start to feel that way, for sure. Mm-hmm. And what I've what I've tried to cultivate over the last year is, uh, I call it kind of sending out the bat signal, mm. which is just, you know, I, I have a very small and intimate group of friends who I have agreements with mm-hmm. that at any point I can reach out for support and they will be there. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that like if I call and they're busy, like, you know, they're going to cancel everything to be on the call with me, but right. that means like we will find time. Mm-hmm. And having that small group of friends who I have those agreements with is very helpful, uh, not only to make me feel comfortable to reach out in those moments, mm-hmm. but also it gives them permission to also reach out when they can kind of sense it, that, you know, maybe they haven't heard from me for a while, or, you know, maybe they, they're, they're checking in, Hey, how are you doing? And, and that then gives me that space to really be open about it. So having those conversations has been very helpful for me. I have one friend in in particular who we do a call every two weeks Mm -hmm. and we've been doing that since April. And that's been very helpful just to have that very specific time in the calendar every two weeks to hop on a call and just drop in and support each other. And so I think like, you know, isolation is what happens when you start to feel that way. Right. But the antidote to it is connection. Mm-hmm. And so the minute I start to feel that way, I try to to that much quicker go in the other direction of like connection and being surrounded by people and reaching out and asking for some support or just even expressing, you know, how I'm feeling or asking someone for what I need, right? Maybe mm-hmm. it's, I need someone to listen. Maybe it's, I need someone to kind of give me a shake, you know, and, and just being open about that. Yeah. Because when you're open about it, it doesn't have the same power over you. And right. when you stay isolated, you're staying very much in this, like, let's feel sorry for myself. I'm a victim consciousness. Right. That then only perpetuates the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Dwelling in our sadness definitely perpetuates the problem and is definitely feeding the victim mentality. Whereas what you describe connecting and reaching out for support, that is you rising above that victim mentality and and really owning your power in the situation, right? Because if we just sit around and cry our eyes out and feel sorry for ourselves and feel all alone and do nothing about it, well, that's us giving away our power in that situation. We're rendering ourselves powerless, which it doesn't do us any good at all, Um but Cam, it's not always easy. Like, let's admit, it's not always easy to reach out. It's not. And especially when you're in those moments, and especially for people who have a history of depression and anxiety and isolation, and now all of a sudden you're in the role of, of leadership or entrepreneurship, like it, it sometimes feels so difficult to reach out. So I'm wondering for our listeners, I think this would be really, really helpful for the for our listeners who are going through similar internal battles, 
what advice or tips could you offer them to help them feel more comfortable with reaching out in times when they need support? Yeah, great question. So the first thing is that when we're going through it, and we've touched on this a little bit already, but when we're going through some sort of like anxiety or depression or, or just mental health challenge, it's very easy to make us feel like we are the only people who understand or who are experiencing the level of pain that we're currently experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that's the myth. The truth is that if you're open about your challenge around mental health, you will feel more connected to more people than you would ever imagine because most people are going through something similar like or have been through something similar. Just the percentage of people in our society who struggle with mental health in some way, shape, or form is like a lot of people, almost everyone. And so if you want more connection, there's actually more people who will understand what you're going through. Uh, so that's number one is you're not alone. Number mm-hmm. two is a quote by my friend Michael who once said to share the truth until it no longer hurts. Mm. And that was really powerful for me because I realized that by sharing my experiences, um, sometimes in the moment, but sometimes after I've had time to reflect, that I honor what I went through in their capacity to be able to serve someone else who's maybe going through it in the moment. Mm. And, you know, just yesterday I shared this experience of, of how uh, a couple of weeks ago I was face down in the dirt uh, during a ceremony and I was throwing up everywhere mm-hmm. and how my very first thought was actually how I could be grateful for the experience, mm-hmm. which just goes to show how far I had come in my capacity to feel gratitude for all moments and sharing that experience was kind of vulnerable, kind of uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, because that's not really like that. This happy-go-lucky, like let's share this amazing uh, visual experience with people. Right. But I also got so many messages from people saying, "Yo, thank you so much. I really need- needed that today." Yeah. Or, wow, like you wrote about feeling suicidal a couple weeks ago, and I didn't realize you were going through that, but that makes me feel like what I'm going through is okay. Mm-hmm. And just sharing your story is one of the most powerful things you can do, not just for your own healing, but for someone else. So I think, you know, it is hard. It's okay. It takes courage. It takes bravery and you're strong and you can do it. And if it can help one other person, it's worth it. And so that's kind of how I think about it. Mm, I love that. So to recap, I mean, tip number one would be really understanding that you're not alone. And coming to terms with that and being open to your challenges with mental health. And and number two is, I love this quote so hard, Cam, uh, share the truth until it no longer hurts. So sharing your story, being open with it and understanding that in doing so, it helps other people. And I mean, that is so powerful. And it's these are such loving and gentle reminders to ourselves that will help us flow through the experience versus resist it and have it persist or feel alone in it or dwell in it or remain in victim mentality. So thank you so much for sharing that. So yeah, just being, being open about your experience, I think it's, you know, like one of the most powerful things you have is your story and yeah. you don't have to like come at it from like you're an expert or you're a guru or, or you even know the answers, but even sometimes just sharing that you don't even know the answers can mm-hmm. be very powerful because that allows other people who are currently experiencing that same challenge to realize, wow, I'm not the only one. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, authenticity is so powerful. And so when we show up authentically in that way, not only does it help other people, but it it feels so much better than trying to put on this front all the fucking time. I mean, putting on the front is really exhausting. (laughs) Exhausting. So, Cam, we are nearing the end of this episode. And at the end of every episode... I like to offer my listeners a love punch, which is a bold and punchy affirmation that kicks their ass into gear. So Cam, today I'm turning the tables onto you. What is your love punch for today's episode? I'm going to take a page out of Gary Vee's book Mm -hmm. and say that you are going to die. So you have nothing to lose. Go for it. Get out there. Take action. Take massive action. Send that email. Uh, reach out to that person, connect with them, post that podcast, write that journal entry, do the thing that you know you need to do because there's you seriously have nothing to lose. So start today. Mm. Now that was really fucking in your face. You are going to die. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you want a love punch. So if we're looking to wake someone up right now, there you go. You were going to die. That is so. like a double-fisted love punch <laughs> right there with a kick in the face. Um, so go do the things that you're supposed to go do that you really want to do that you've been wanting to do for so long. Go fucking do it because you are going to die in the words of Cam. <laughs> um, Cam, thank you so much for joining me in a totally honest, raw and real conversation. Please tell our listeners how they can stalk you online. I thoroughly enjoy those who stalk me online. So you can find me um, on gamequitters.com, gamequitters on YouTube, or on Instagram at Cameron Dare. If you're listening to this, uh, send me a message, send me a comment, let me know what you think. I'd love to support you in any way. And just really grateful for you, Ruby. Thanks for having me. Mm, I'm so grateful for you, Cam. And to our listeners, if you want to experience more raw conversation with me, Cam, and other incredible thought leaders, please join us at Amplified Soul Live 2018 in Los Angeles this March. The link is in the description, or you can find it on my website. And please connect with me on all social platforms. My handle is I am Ruby. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Love Punch, where I'm challenging thought leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs like you to make a lasting impact. If you loved this episode and Cam, please share it with a friend. You don't know who you're helping when you share these types of episodes. And please don't forget to hit subscribe. Join me back here next week with a new episode of Love Punch.